Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Byron Howell and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. I hope everything is well with you and yours. And today we are going to continue our discussions about money. If you see my last couple of episodes, you'll see that we went through tithing and then kind of sowing and reaping or seed time and harvest. And today we're going to kind of continue in that vein. As I've said before, 2023, as you probably know, has been a very, very interesting year uh, in the financial world, in the economic world. Obviously, we've had skyrocketing interest rates. We've also had, you know, a variety of, you know, terrible things going on in the overall geopolitical world. And basically, it's just, you know, there's a lot of turmoil out there. But especially, you know, people like me that are really functioning in the commercial real estate world day in and day out, there's definitely been a lot of turmoil and really it has not been a great year. I'm very thankful that, you know, God has continued to provide for me and my family. But, but you know, 2023 hasn't been the best year. And I want to make sure that I'm really staying focused on God and focused on the Bible's financial teachings just to make sure that I'm doing my part. I know that as I'm doing my part, God's going to do his part. And really that as long as I'm living according to the Bible's economic principles, you know, praise God, we're going to be just fine. But really, you know, this year I've taken a lot of time and I've really studied, you know, what the Bible has to say about finances a lot. And I want to continue our discussion today, excuse me, and we're going to look at a variety of things that we haven't talked about yet. Seems a little bit hard to believe, but we're going to look at a bunch of verses we haven't looked at. But I'm calling this episode Godly Financial Increase 101 because because really we're going to look at, you know, everything you need to know to really start increasing financially God's ways. And well, again, not to repeat myself, but yeah, we've looked at some of this before, but again, we are going to cover a lot of new ground. And one of the things I love about God's word is that the principles in God's word will work for anyone. It doesn't matter where you are geographically. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your gender, uh, you know, what your education is. None of that matters. If you apply the kingdom of God's principles to your economic situation, your finances will increase. It's just that simple. And I think that's wonderful. God loves everyone and God wants everyone to prosper. That's just the way it is. So we're going to start by, you know, just really laying the foundation for God's financial system. And then we're going to talk about a lot of details, uh, really nuts and bolts, very practical Uh, very granular on how we can be uh, prospered and continue to increase financially, even in difficult times. The first verse we're going to look at today is Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. I just want to start by recognizing that God's blessing will make us rich. I know a lot of people don't believe that. I know a lot of people ignore this verse. And I know there's all sorts of denominations and belief systems that that say, you know, God doesn't want us rich or, you know, God doesn't care our finances or we're supposed to be poor or something like that. It's totally unbiblical. It's totally wrong. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And just to be clear, if you're a Christian, according to Ephesians chapter one, every blessing of God is on your life now. And notice he also says, and he adds no sorrow with it. 
Another translation says painful toil. God does not want you to have a job where you can never see your family, where you can never go to church, where you can never spend time serving in the kingdom of God, where you aren't allowed to pursue your other interests or your hobbies or have recreation time. No, God does not want painful toil. In fact, God wants easy work for you. God wants you to be rich, and God does not want you to have to toil painfully to get it. Deuteronomy 8.18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore your ancestors as it is today. God gives his people the ability to produce wealth. That's just the way it is. Yes, God gives to us, but there are paradigms and systems where we should be looking to receive from God. And we're going to cover that in very extreme detail today. And I think that part of our discussion is really going to bless you. But, you know, God's not going to drop bags of money out of, on us out of the sky. Yes, God does cause people to give to us. But predominantly, the way we are going to increase is through the empowerment to produce wealth. God has literally empowered us through the blessing, through his wisdom, through his empowerment in our lives to make wealth, to produce riches without painful toil. This is just a wonderful reality, and we need to understand this as we start going. Now, the key way that God has given us to produce wealth, easy riches for our lives, is seed time and harvest. So that's why we're going to focus on a lot of verses today about seed time and harvest. But just to give you a little preview, we're going to focus on heavily on the reaping or the harvesting part today. How do we get that money into our bank accounts? I feel that that's an area where, you know, all of us could use some more teaching and I've been focusing on it a lot in my own life. Genesis 1.29 says, now remember, this is the Garden of Eden. This is the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat or provision. God gave Adam the plants and the trees that had seed. Even in the very beginning, even in the Garden of Eden, seed time and harvest was always God's mechanism for providing for his people. That's the way it is. Genesis 8.22 While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now, obviously, there's a lot going on in all these verses, but and we're trying to remain somewhat focused today. But notice that the principle of seed time and harvest will be in effect as long as the earth remains. Seed time and harvest was in effect in the Garden of Eden. Seed time and harvest was in effect prior to the life of Jesus Christ. And seed time and harvest is in effect for me and you now. Seed time and harvest is the key financial paradigm for Christians. This is what we must understand. Now, the good news is, is that God will watch over our seed time and harvest. God will watch over our sowing and reaping. And I'm going to read you a couple of verses which indicate that now. This is Leviticus 26, verses 3 through 5. 
If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the tree of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. This is Zechariah 8, 11 through 12. But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as I did in the past, declares the Lord Almighty. The seed will grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dew. I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. You see, God established seed time in the harvest in the earth as the predominant system for provision for man. And that's still true today. But he doesn't just say, hey, go out into this difficult world and do your best. He specifically promises that he is going to watch over our seed time and harvest process. So now let's jump into the New Testament, specifically to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. And let's really see this applicable to Christians. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Let's spend a few minutes here because, again, I believe this is the most important passage for understanding God's economic system for Christians. Now, let's start by stating the obvious. In The Old Testament, in the early days of humanity, the vast majority of people were in the farming business. Yes, people also had flocks and herds, and in a real sense, that's another form of farming, right? You're trying to grow your herds, get them bigger, and then eat from them. But in a very real sense, when we look at some Old Testament verses about farming, we could easily think, well, you know, this is specifically about farming. This is specifically about planting crops, seeing them grow, and harvesting them. But what we see in the New Testament, which is, you know, thousands of years later, basically, uh, is that is that this sowing and reaping paradigm is, in fact, not just about traditional farming. That the sowing and reaping paradigm is, in fact, applicable to you no matter what profession you're in. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, although some people may say, well, Byron, that's obvious. But let's establish what's obvious. Let's establish some groundwork so we can really learn here. At least that helps me. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is referring to sowing and reaping, but he's not talking about planting crops. He's talking about giving money into the kingdom of God. Now, specifically here, he's talking to one group of Christians about them giving money to another group of Christians, which is not really different from us today. We might give money to the church. We might give money to an orphanage or another ministry or some other kingdom of God work in the world. 
That's the specific type of seed time and harvest that Paul is talking about. And that's really the type of seed time and harvest that is still applicable to everyone today. Now, the first rule we get is he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. That can be easily understood. If you have a field, if you want a bountiful harvest, well, you need to put a lot of seed out there. That's an obvious farming principle, and that's a principle to our financial increase today as well. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a really important point. And what my big takeaway is, is I need to look at my heart when I'm giving, when I'm sowing. You see, it's not just enough for me to throw money out there, but God is looking at the condition of my heart when I sow. Why am I sowing? Am I sowing because I love God and I want to further his kingdom? If so, great. Maybe the Lord has moved on my heart with compassion and he's leading me to sow to someone that needs some money. That's great as well. Maybe I'm also sowing because I love the kingdom of God and I love the seed time and harvest process in the earth. That's also wonderful. I understand that sometimes it can be difficult to give, especially in times of lack or if we're under compulsion or any, you know, there might be some other problems in our life. But understanding that God has, in fact, empowered you to get wealth without painful toil through the seed time and harvest, that really is going to help you begin to give cheerfully. That's really going to help you get excited about giving in the kingdom of God. And I'll just say briefly, and I don't want to digress too much, but I understand that there's a lot of giving out there that doesn't necessarily focus on seed time and harvest. Hey, look, I'm glad when people give to the kingdom of God, and I'm glad when people want to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. But really, we should understand the kingdom of God's economic principles and especially sowing and reaping. <clears throat> now look at verse 8 in 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always have all sufficiency in all things, so that you can have an abundance for every good work. You see, this is what happens when you begin sowing cheerfully and sowing bountifully. God is going to be watching over your seed time and harvest, and God is going to cause all grace to abound towards you, and he's going to make sure that you always have sufficiency and even an abundance for every good work. You see, we are not called to live a life where we're constantly giving out of our lack, where we're constantly scraping the bottom of the barrel just to put a few bucks in the offering plate. That's not what God has for us at all. God has for us to be constantly satisfied, constantly content, and in fact, abundantly supplied for every good work. Think of this with me. Imagine that for a moment you're in a season of abundance and you go through life and you see people doing different works for the kingdom of God. You see what your church is doing. You see what your friends in the ministry are doing. You see what this missionary is doing and you have an abundance and you want to participate. You want to further the kingdom of God. Maybe you've never felt this, but I know that even as I'm talking about it right now, 
You can feel a generosity in your heart. You can feel, man, I would love to give like that. I would love to have an abundance so that as I go through life and I encounter people doing for the kingdom of God, or if I encounter people in need, I can cheerfully give to them. I'm not worried. I'm not concerned about my lack. I'm cheerfully going through life, sowing bountifully, knowing that God's going to minister this harvest to me and bring abundance into my life. I mean, praise God. Isn't that wonderful? And that's exactly the way we're supposed to live. Now, verses 10 through 11. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Maybe you're there right now thinking, I can't even imagine being enriched in every way. I can't even imagine being generous on every occasion. Byron, I am struggling right now. Hey, let me just say that I've been there and a lot of people have been there and and my heart is with you. And that's a big part of why I want to do messages like this, because that's not God's will for your life. And, And no matter where you are, God can bring you to this place of abundance. Let's just go ahead and agree on a simple fact that the place of abundance where you can liberally give and generously and cheerfully abound to every good work, that is God's will for your life. And what a wonderful truth that is. And if you will start in this process, you will get there, my friend. Notice it says that he supplies seed to the sower. You are never without seed. Even if you have no money, God will show you seeds to sow. Maybe it's some time. Maybe it's some physical labor. Maybe it's something you have in your home, something you can give, something you can sow. Go to God and ask him, God, what is the seed I have? Or bring me some seed, show me some seed. And God is going to receive what you have. God, there's another verse, you know, it's it's measured according to what we have, not what we have not. God knows what you have and God's going to show you what to sow. And that's just a wonderful truth. And, and what, he's going to show you how to start operating in this system. And that's one of the reasons that this will work for anybody. No matter what you have, no matter what's going on, you can start sowing and reaping. Now, notice Matthew 9, 37 through 38, which I want to read before we go further. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God is the Lord of the harvest. God knows the seed. God knows the harvest. God ordained and orchestrates this entire system for us so we can be confident in our seed, in our sowing and reaping, and we also need to stay close to him and really tuned in to the Lord of the harvest every step of the way. Let me read you one more from a verse from Jesus as we transition into our next section. This is Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you again. 
that's really echoing the same ideas that we've been talking about. That as we sow, we will reap. If we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. As we give to others, God's going to cause people to give to us. And let me just say briefly, if someone tries to give you something, you need to receive it. I know there are some people out there that think that's wrong, that I'm not going to receive anything. I'm not going to let people give to me, so on and so forth. Just get over that and stop that. If you are doing that, that is kind of stopping up or gumming up the works for the economy of heaven. If someone gives you something, you need to receive it at their hand. First of all, that's seed that they're sowing. Second of all, it's harvest God's bringing into your life. And that's operating in the kingdom of God's system. Now, I'm not saying you need to use it. You don't need to spend it. You don't need to keep it. If you feel bad about it, just go ahead and receive it and then give it right on to somebody else. But giving and receiving is one of the key mechanisms in the kingdom of God's economic system as it is a function of sowing and reaping. Now, let's take a few minutes and talk about reaping. And let me just talk generally. You know, so many times we hear preachers talk about sowing and reaping. And they'll give you stories about how they gave this or their ministry gave that. And then God brought a harvest into their lives. Well, let me first say that there's absolutely nothing wrong with those stories. Those stories are wonderful. And those stories illustrate how this principle works. But the difference for them is they are regularly positioned for people to give to them. They are passing out an offering plate regularly. They have a website. They have different outlets constantly asking for offerings. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just the way it is. But for those of us who are not in the full-time ministry, what what are the correct ways for us to start seeing harvest in our life? And so I I really made a list that I'm going to share with you here just so we can really start wrapping our minds around this system and how this system is supposed to function in our daily lives. Let's say, for example, you have a regular job. Well, one form of harvest might be a raise. It might be a promotion that carries new benefits. It might be a bonus, right? Those are different types of economic harvest that God can bring in your life. Let's say that you uh, developed a product or you sell a product, you're in sales, God bringing buyers into your life or into your business. That's another type of harvest. You know, I'm a, I've, I've written books, selling books. That would be an example of a harvest. I'm a lawyer. That's a service business. God bringing me new clients or God bringing the clients I have, um, you know, new work for me. Just as an example, this morning, uh, one of my, you know, clients, wonderful man, Christian man calls me and he's got a business deal he's working on. Well, praise the Lord. That's a harvest in my life. I've already spent a couple hours working on his new business transaction. It's going to be a blessing for everybody and it's a harvest for me. Praise God. Another way is yes, people can simply give to you. Maybe someone just gives to you out of love. Maybe it's a a family member, a relative, an inheritance, whatever. There are all sorts of different ways people can give to you, but giving is a form of harvest, and we need to be thinking about that. 
You know, and, and just to stay in this kind of granular, natural level for a minute, remember the Lord of the harvest knows how to get you the harvest. And I can tell you, you know, I've been a self-employed lawyer as my full-time job for for right at 13 years. It's actually 13 years this month was when, when I was really, you know, 100% full-time doing this. I'm also a realtor, but, you know, lawyer has been my primary thing. Right about 13 years and like three days or something. Uh, you you want to know why I know it to the exact why I could look it up? Because because the big source of finances in my life cut off and I'll never forget that day. And it was just me and God from that day forward. But praise God, praise God. You know, I'm kind of laughing about it now. Believe me, I wasn't laughing at the time, but praise God all these years, he's been faithful and I've never lacked for anything. But here's my point. The Lord of the harvest knows where your harvest is. He has absolutely told me uh, there, there are certain people I should work for and certain people I should not work for. There are certain places I should pursue legal work or real estate work and certain places I should not. So let's talk some examples. Maybe God gives you an idea for a new product. Maybe God gives you an idea for a new business. Maybe God uh, gives you an idea for a new investment. You know, returns on investment. That's another form of harvest. Maybe God tells you to change your job. Maybe God tells you to go ask for a raise or a bonus. You know, I'll just give you a quick example. God led me to call somebody when I was looking at, you know, a, you know, kind of a transition in my law practice one time. And this person said, okay, tell you what, I'll pay you this per deal. But, I, you know, if I'm going to be willing to pay you this, then I want you to go to your other clients and, you know, get some increases from them. Well, that's what I did. You know, my clients are phenomenal and they, they were willing to do so. And that really resulted in a big increase in my income. And in and so my point is the Lord led me basically to go and say, hey, look, I haven't asked for a raise in a few years. And, and you know, I'd like one. What do you think? You know, ironically, that was three years ago. And I'm praying about whether I should do that again. You know, many lawyers increase their their rates yearly. I, I haven't done that. But my point is, let's really stay focused and pay attention to God and ask him, okay, God, I know that I've sowed my seed. I know that I've got a harvest out there. Now, where is it? Lord of the harvest, where is it? Bring in a new client for me, God. Bring in a new job for me, God. Bring in a new bonus. You know, maybe you're in a job where, you know, for for whatever reason, a bonus or a raise may not happen. God may lead you to do something else. You know, what if you're fixed income, right? Like like my mom and stepdad, you know, they basically, you know, Social Security is a significant part of their income. So what about people that are on a fixed income, right? How can God bring harvest in their life? Well, you know, to be honest, I've seen God move miraculously for them several times. And God can move miraculously for anybody who's on a fixed income. But the key is, no matter what your income is, no matter what's in your house, get going in the sowing and reaping process. Now let's come back to the Bible and look at a few verses about sowing and reaping. This is Proverbs 10.5. We're specifically focusing on reaping. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. This is Proverbs 20, verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. 
He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Let me just tell you something that really landed on me as I was studying these verses again. If I'm a farmer and I go out to sow, I'll sow my seed. Now, obviously, I need to tend the garden, but just to keep it simple, I sow the seed and it starts growing up. The crops start growing. But you know what? There's still a long way between the crops in my field and the money in my bank account. And reaping is just as much of an intentional act as sowing. I need to go out and reap the crops. And that's the idea that we see in these verses here. You can't sleep in harvest time. Let's say God brings me a new client, right? Let me just say, I have never had someone call me and say, hey, Byron, I'd like you to do my legal work. But by the way, I'd just like to go ahead and hand you a few thousand dollars right now. No, it doesn't work that way. I know for a fact that my clients are harvest in my life, but I still have to go out and do the work. I have to do their legal work and bring that harvest into my bank account. It's still not money, you know, bags of money from the sky. So harvesting is a deliberate act as well. And the key is listening to God, hearing where our harvest is, and then going for it, right? If God tells you to do a new uh, book or a new product or a new uh, business endeavor, go do it. And that could result in a significant harvest in your life, into your account. So we need to remember that. It's not just enough to sow. We need to go out there and reap as well. Now let's go on to a quick passage from Jesus. This is Mark 4, 26 through 29. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and this seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Well, there's obviously a lot going on in this passage. But I want to focus on the fact that, look, when we sow the seed, the Lord of the harvest is going to watch over our seed time and harvest process. We've already seen that in a couple of verses. We don't need to know, right? He does not know how. Listen, I don't know if I give $100 to my church, I don't know all the ins and outs of how God takes that $100 seed and produces a $1,000 harvest in my life or more, you know, some 30, some 60, some 100 full. I don't necessarily know how a big commitment to a ministry could result in a new client in my life. That's for the Lord of the harvest to know. That's for the Lord of the harvest to understand. But my job, notice it says, but when the grain ripens, he puts in the sickle. My job is to trust God that the harvest is being produced and my job is to stay close to God so I know what the harvest is and when it's ready and then I have to go out and reap it. That is the key. We really need to focus on every aspect of the seed time and harvest process. And I just feel that I want to say, and I want to be crystal clear, seed time and harvest God's way is the best financial mechanism that could ever be created or instilled in the earth and in your life. It is the way. 
It is the way where you can joyfully give to the kingdom of God, bless other people, expand the kingdom of God, and bring in additional money and abundance into your life. It is the best financial mechanism that could ever be created. It will produce joy, love, relationships, fun, good works, and all sorts of other wonderful things in your life. So so let me just, let me make another point briefly here. You know, so many times we hear about give, 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 give in church, and it can be off-putting, especially if it's in a time of lack. We can think about what are they doing with our money? This guy just wants my money. You know, all sorts of thoughts like that. And to be honest, after all the abuses that we've seen in the in the church world, you know, who can blame us for feeling that way sometimes? But none of that changes the fact that sowing and reaping is the is God's ordained process for wealth production in your life. And it is going to be a tremendous blessing to you. And I just want to add, you know, I hope that maybe because I am a businessman and I'm not receiving from the offering plate. I just want to put that out there, right? I'm not saying this to try to get an offering from you. I'm saying this to try to get your money to you. That's the big difference, to you. Now, now, truthfully, many of the good preachers who are also preaching a message like this are also trying to get money to you, but it's just hard on our brains to receive it that way sometimes. But truthfully, this is what the Bible is telling us. If you give, you will receive. If you sow, you will reap. And that's the way God designed the system. James 5, 4. The wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. I just want to point out two quick points from that verse, which I think is you know, a very interesting verse. Notice that the harvest or the wages are crying out. Right? The, the very harvest itself is crying out to be reaped. And the cry of the harvesters reaches the Lord Almighty. We should be crying out for our harvest. We should be declaring our harvest in faith. We should be praying for our harvest. And, you know, I'll just say, you know, I'm believing for a particular amount of money each month to cover my family's need. I know that I have plenty of seed in the ground and I'm continuing to sow. And part of my declaration is, thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name, I sow bountifully and I reap bountifully. In Jesus' name, I reap X amount of harvest each month because you are the Lord of the harvest. Your word says, you make all grace abound towards me and I always have all sufficiency in all things. Father, you are the one that brings the harvest and I believe I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Maybe I can't see it with my natural eyes, but I know it's there and I'm trusting you to bring it in. God, what can I do to reap? Where should I be looking? What should I be doing? And the Lord will guide us and direct us. This next verse or passage is 1 Corinthians 15, 37 through 38. Now, it's very interesting. So let me read it here. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. 
and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Now, the obvious meaning of this passage is that when you sow a seed, it doesn't look like the harvest. An apple seed does not look like an apple tree stocked with apples. God knows the seed you're sowing. And ideally, you're sowing seeds that he's told you to sow or he's led you in your heart to sow. And he knows the harvest. But here's the thing. We don't always know what the harvest looks like. You know, just as an example, the guy who called me today with that business deal, I'll just briefly tell you about the first interaction I ever had with him. Now, primarily as a lawyer, I help people buy and sell apartment buildings. So this guy sold a apartment complex to my client and then his lawyer retired. So this guy calls me one day and he says, hey, uh, I just sold this complex to your client. You remember me, of course, and my lawyer's retiring and I'd like to you to do my legal work. And by the way, I own this house in Aspen and me and my partner are going out to the house in Aspen. Why don't you come out here and get to know us? And I said, okay, thanks, I'll get back to you. Well, I was open to doing his legal work, but I had no interest in in going out to his house in Aspen. I was like, well, this is weird. This is, you know, this is hitting me the wrong way. I don't think so, right? But I prayed about it and God said, go. And so look, I just, look, I trust God. I trust God. And the feeling in my spirit was so, was so clean, so pure. All right. Hey, sounds good. I'll see you in Aspen. That was years ago. That guy's been with me to Haiti. I baptized his daughter in Haiti. That guy's a significant blessing to schools for Haiti. Uh, we're still friends, still doing work. And his partner, uh, I, I could say every single thing. I mean, you know, we've been friends. They're a blessing. Amazing. My point is, I didn't know it. I didn't recognize it. But these guys were harvest on my seed, a tremendous blessing in my life. And, and, I, that's why you have to stay close to the Lord of the harvest so he can show you. Maybe somebody calls you with a business. Maybe somebody calls you with a job opportunity. Sometimes it's easy to stay, say no because where we're at right now, it's comfortable. It's barely meeting the needs. I don't love it, but it's okay. But sometimes those phone calls, those opportunities are actually our harvest. So we got to take them to God. He knows what the harvest looks like and we don't. It's very often. Look, I get it. Some harvests are easy. I, uh, you know, that deal I got called on today. Hey, that's a harvest. Praise God. I get a bonus. I get some extra fees. I get something. That's, that's, a, that's a harvest. Praise God. That's easy. But sometimes the harvests are not as easily recognized. And that's why it's so important that we stay close and we really focus on the seeds and the harvest that God has for our lives. Now I want to take a few minutes and quickly go through some verses that teach us a little bit more about sowing and reaping. Because sowing and reaping is the economic principle that God has created for the production of easy riches in your life, it is worthy of our most careful study. And yes, I understand that a lot of the verses we're talking about today are Old Testament verses. You're not cursed if you don't give. You're not robbing God if you're not giving. None of that's true. You're not going to hell if you don't give. None of that's true. But remember, 
seed time and harvest was instilled in the Garden of Eden. It's a it's it's the process that will be with us as long as the earth remains. And it's the process for Christians to increase financially. So we can very safely take a lot of the instructions out of the Old Testament and learn more about our seed time and harvest function. It's great that we have verses in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they all teach us about seed time and harvest, which is still the order of the day for Christians here in the year 2023. This is Ecclesiastes 11.6. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Well, now with the blessing of the Lord on us, according to Ephesians 1, all of our seed can be good. Under the direction of of the Holy Spirit, we can be sowing uh, into good ground and sowing the right seed every single time. So, but the key takeaway for me is I want to be sowing a lot. I want to always be open to sowing. I want to always be, you know, listening to God as he leads me to sow. And I'm constantly ready to sow. Ecclesiastes 11.4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. That is an extremely important verse that is applicable to us today. I know sometimes it can be difficult to sow when the world looks crazy, when, you know, the stock market's falling or property values are falling or, you know, our bank account isn't looking like the way it should. But seed time and harvest is the key. It is the mechanism. And you cannot allow external factors to prevent you from sowing. Similarly, You cannot allow what you perceive in the natural realm to prevent you from going out there and reaping. If God has illuminated to you a harvest, something that he has for your harvest, whether it's a new job or a new line of business or something else, then you need to be like a man of war. Nothing is going to keep you from that harvest. Nothing is going to keep you from what God has for your life. Because remember, when we bring in a harvest, yes, some of that harvest we're going to eat, but some of that harvest also includes seed that we need to put back out to work. You see, we need to get into this process where I'm sowing and then I'm reaping and then I take some of what I reap and sow it and my harvest grows and therefore my seed grows. My harvest then grows more, my seed grows more, so on and so forth, and I increase. This is Psalms 126, verses 5 through 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This verse is talking about a specific situation. Sometimes when we bring in a harvest in our lives, maybe it's a paycheck. Let's just say it's a thousand bucks, all right? And you know that your need that month is exactly $1,000. So you think, okay, I'm glad I got this harvest, but I don't have seed for sowing. I must eat this whole harvest. That means now that that you have to make a decision. And now if you're going to sow, that harvest is very, very precious to you. And that's what this verse is talking about. 
when you choose to honor the Lord of the harvest and honor the word of God for seed time and harvest, even though it looks like you don't have enough, the Bible, you know, and one of the other translations says, precious seed. You see, that's why the person in this verse is sowing in tears because they're, they're worried, they're scared. <clears throat> I don't know that I have enough to sow this seed and this is precious seed. But you know what? I know the Lord of the harvest. I know God in whom I have trusted. He will bring this harvest. And so I sow anyway. I sow out of my lack. And it says, God guarantees you will, quote, doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That means God sees this precious seed. He honors this precious seed and he guarantees an abundant harvest on this precious seed. Next verse, Leviticus 19, 19. You shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your field with mixed seed, nor shall a garment of mixed linen and wool come upon you. You know, it is really interesting that <clears throat> a lot of these verses, which are applicable to, to literal farming, are still applicable to the seed time and harvest that you and I will engage in today. And this verse is no different. You see, nobody would go out into a field with a bag of random seeds and just start throwing it everywhere, right? Nobody would do that. What we would do is we would plan how we're going to sow, plan how we're going to reap, think about what we want to do, think about the crops that we want to produce, think about what we need and want to see in our life. And your seed time and harvest should be no different. Think about the seeds you're sowing. Think about the harvest you want to reap. If you want to reap a harvest of, of additional relationships, just as an example, you need to go out there. You need to be meeting people. You need to be friendly. You need to be loving. I believe there's another verse that says, he who would have friends must show himself friendly. If you want to reap a harvest of love in your household, then you need to be showing love to your family members. I mean, look, I'll be honest, that's something that I have to work on. You know, even when I'm going through a hard time, even when I've had a hard day, even when I'm not feeling good, I need to make sure that I'm sowing the right seed. But but I'm going to think about the harvest that I want, and I am going to sow deliberately. I am going to sow specifically, and I'm going to sow deliberately, and I'm also going to keep records of my sowing and reaping so that I can appropriately have faith for my harvest. Now let's move into our next section. And this is really about, you know, a few different ways of sowing or a few different types of seed that carry with it some specific harvest that we want to look at briefly. This is Proverbs nineteen seventeen. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Just remember that blessings to the poor is a form of seed. The Lord receives that as a basically a loan to himself. I mean, it's kind of as crazy as that sounds. And the Lord will repay you. So giving to the poor is certainly a form of seed that invites repayment from the Lord. Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. Neither shall you gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, neither shall you gather every grape of the vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. I think these two passages go together really well. 
And I want to talk about a really interesting principle from this verse in Leviticus. You see, what God's saying there is if you're out there and you're harvesting your crop, I don't want you to pick up every single grape. I don't want you to pick up every single crop and be worried about getting every single thing into your storehouse. Rather, I want you to have some excess available for the poor and needy around you. And let me just tell you how that looks in my life. I I do not keep track to the penny of the money I have. Now, I, I generally know, as probably everybody does, you know, how much money is in my account, but, but I'm not going to focus on it very specifically. And one of the reasons is because, look, if I see somebody that needs a few bucks or somebody has an urgent need here or something comes up there, I'm, I've, always got, I've always got some gleanings. I've always got some corners of the field. I've always got a few bucks here or there that can immediately just be taken by them to help meet their need. And I really think that that's the principle that God wants us to have in our lives, where I'm not going to focus on hoarding every single penny. I've got, I've got some money just kind of on the sidelines that if somebody needs, they can have. And guess what? If I help the poor, I'm lending to the Lord, he'll repay. Look, and you know, you know, if you want to throw a stone at me or something for what I'm about to say, you have at it, all right? But I choose to study the Bible and do what the Bible says. I don't really have much in my life that I'm just giving without thinking about it. Pretty much, if it's come out of my account, if it's come out of my hand, I'm thinking about one of these verses. I really think that's the way God wants us. All right, God, that was a gift to the poor. I know you'll repay. All right, God, that was a seed. I know you're thinking about my harvest. And and look, I'm happy to do it. I want to see the kingdom of God expanded in the earth. Uh, I'm happy to give and sow. But I'm also interested in increasing economically as God wants me to, because I want to sow more and more seed, and I want to increase the way God wants me to increase. This next one is Leviticus 23.10. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give unto you and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. This is one of the verses that's talking about a first fruits offering. We know that if the first is holy, then the lump is holy. In fact, there's another verse farther down in this chapter that says that the people of Israel weren't even supposed to touch the harvest until they brought God the first fruits offering. And let me tell you how I think that's supposed to look. If you start a new business, if you start a new company, if you start selling a new product, or you get maybe an inheritance or some sort of new source of revenue, we should bring a first fruits offering. Notice that it says a sheaf. A sheaf in the Hebrew is a heap or a pile. You bring God a portion. I remember the first time I ever got any money as a lawyer. I prayed about it and I gave God a portion. I felt the right thing to do was to give God 50%. I don't really think this verse is saying 50%. I think it's just saying you bring him a portion. That's between you and God. But what I want to make sure is that God's blessing is on every single penny I will ever get from this source of revenue. Therefore, I'm going to bring God a first fruits offering. And I want to just reiterate, I'm not trying to compel anybody to do anything. And I don't want you to hear me talk about all these different types of giving and say, oh my gosh, I mean, does it really take all this? No, that's not what we're doing here. You probably understand that. 
We're trying to learn how it works so we can increase financially. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. There's another verse in the same chapter that says, God will rebuke the devourer for our sake. I want to reiterate, you're not cursed if you don't tithe, you're not going to hell if you don't tithe, and you're not robbing God if you don't tithe. However, tithing is a specific seed that brings about some awesome harvest in our life. As I talked about two episodes ago, Tithing demonstrates that God is the king of our life. Tithing demonstrates that we're looking to God. Sorry about that. Tithing demonstrates that we're looking to God both for protection and provision. And and tithing also, it says that he will open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing. Uh, It also says that God will rebuke the devourer for us, right? God wants to bless every area of our lives And the tithing has some amazing harvest associated with it. And I'm a committed tither. I think tithing is one of the most important and powerful things we can do financially. And it's a form of seed time and harvest. Really, the entire economic paradigm is seed time and harvest. And we're learning about different subsets within uh, the seed time and harvest mechanism. So, Next next section we're going to talk about is famine, because unfortunately, you know, at least in some areas of the world's economy, we are in a time of famine and we need to know that, in fact, God wants to provide for us in famine, that God's promises about abundance are not subject to the world's economic system. And in fact, sowing and reaping is the mechanism by which we can continue to have increase in abundance, even if the rest of the world's economy is in a time of famine. Praise God. This is Psalms 37, 18 through 19. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Praise God. And let's just remember, satisfied isn't just about, you know, enough to get by or subsistence level. Satisfied is full. That's satisfied. And biblically satisfied is God will make all grace abound towards you so you always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. See, that's the appropriate level of satisfied for a Christian now. That's what God has promised us. So, So I'm not satisfied unless I've got enough abundance in my life to go out and be a blessing to every good work that God brings along my path. And that's what God promises for us, even in times of famine. Now, now let's just get very practical. What do we do? You see, in 2021, just for example, I don't know how many transactions I worked on in 2021, but it was a lot. And I mean, that was the best year I've ever had. And and the world was booming. The economy was booming. There was all this, uh, you know, stimulus money out there, stocks through the roof, everything. Everything's booming, right? And, and interest rates were super low. So everybody's buying and selling. My primary client, who's a Wharton MBA and super interesting, he was like, oh, man, I'm taking advantage of this. I'm selling. So what he did is anything he, he wanted to sell, he sold at the top of the market. And anything he wanted to keep... 
he refied at long-term low interest rates. And anybody now looking at his business in hindsight, I mean, that was absolutely the perfect thing to do. And, uh, and he's super intelligent, awesome guy. And I was blessed to be a part of all of those transactions, praise God, right? Tons of refis, tons of sales, some acquisitions here and there, but it was a big year. But, but now, you know, even at the turn of late 2022, looking into 2023, whoa, it looks like famine's coming. These interest rates are skyrocketing. This is definitely going to impact deal flow. So what do I do? When I see famine coming, now it's time to go to the Lord of the harvest. Now it's time to make sure I got seed in the ground. Now it's time to make sure that I'm tuned in so that I can be focused on everything God wants to bring in my life because there is one thing I can guarantee you he wants for your life in a time of famine. And you know what that is? It's for you to be satisfied. I don't care how much famine is going on in the world. God wants you to be satisfied. Praise God. But it takes deliberate sowing, deliberate reaping, and staying tuned in to the Lord of the harvest who's going to help you every step of the way and really having faith for that harvest, faith that that harvest is in. And I encourage you, if you haven't done so, to listen to some of my other teachings on faith to make sure that you apply that faith to your harvest. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, briefly. Now, this next passage is Genesis 26, verses 1 through 3 and verse 12. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. That's Genesis 26. Now, that is an awesome, awesome story, and I encourage you to read Genesis 26 on your own. But in short, Isaac recognized that there was a famine. So he thinks, hey, maybe I should go to Egypt. Maybe I should change jobs. Maybe I should go to a job that wasn't that great. Maybe I should call some clients that I don't really like working for. Maybe I should go to a place where I really don't want to go because, because I need to eat. I need provision. So what does God do? God, you know, if nothing else, Isaac's tuned in and he's listening to God and God appears to him and says, don't go to Egypt. You don't need to go anywhere, buddy. I don't care what it looks like out there. You sow and I will bless you. And sure enough, even though the rest of the world is apparently in famine, uh, or at least that part of the world, God looks at Isaac's seed and brings him a hundredfold return, which is, you know, just a bumper crop, a miraculous harvest. And God blessed him, it says. So, you know, that's another example. We can really take a lot from that passage, but God will provide for us in famine. We need to listen to God about where to be, where to work, where to sow, and, and God will bless us even in hard times. Look at Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. You need to delight in the word of God. You need to be staying close to God. But as you live with God, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I mean, that's constantly nourished, constantly supplied, never feeling drought. Bring forth fruit in your season. You should be constantly bringing forth fruit, constantly sowing, constantly reaping. It says his leaf shall not wither. No matter what's going on in the world, you're not going to wither. You're not going to stop producing fruit. You're not going to stop growing. That's what God has for your life. Now we've got two additional sections here that we're going to try to move through briefly. But this next section is talking about how we need to sow the word of God seed while we're sowing our money seed. And this is a very important principle that I'm going to try to detail quickly. Perhaps you remember the parable of the sower. Now we find that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the one I'm looking at is Mark 4, just to give you a chapter there. But in the parable of the sower, which a lot of people use to talk about money, the dominant point of that parable is Jesus' is teaching us about sowing the word of God in our hearts so that the word of God will produce in our life. That's what the parable of the sower is about. And I'm going to say it again because it is so important. Sow the word of God into your heart so that the word of God will produce in your life. Now that starts with the gospel of Jesus Christ sown into your heart, which produces salvation and then hopefully a fruitful Christian. That's what God wants for all of us. But we need to sow every other part of the word of God into our hearts so that every other part of the word of God will produce in our life. So here, let me say it like this. While you're going through life sowing your money seed, you need to be sowing your word seed into your heart. I'm going to take the verses about money like we're doing today, and I'm going to sow them in my heart. I'm going to understand that God is the Lord of the harvest, that God is watching over my seed time and harvest, that God will provide for me even in seasons of famine, that God wants to bring me the hundredfold return, that God wants me to be uh, abundantly satisfied and supplied so that I can abound to every good work. That's the truth. This is the truth of the word of God. I don't care what poverty vow somebody tried to get you to take or what poverty some somebody tried to put on you or teach you or tell you was right. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible says, my brothers and sisters. I was on Twitter yesterday and I saw some guy bashing the prosperity gospel and I was like, you know what? Maybe he's got something new. Maybe he's got something I've never heard before. Let me give it a quick listen. See if he can convince me if I'm wrong. Well, that was a complete waste of time. And you know what? You know what the truth is? Unfortunately, now there are some people that are just good people and they've just been deceived. That's all there is to it. But man, if 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 someone's telling you that God doesn't have prosperity for your life, they're just wrong. They just don't know what the Bible says. We can love them, God bless them, but that's the truth, my brothers and sisters, because I've shown you from the word of God, what is God's will for your life? 
He wants you abundantly supplied, abundantly blessed so that you can be an an abundant blessing to others. So we need to take the word of God, what it really says, not what other people think it says, not what other people say that it says. And we sow the word of God into our hearts so that it will produce in our life. Because here is the key. It's the word seed that is going to take that money seed and cause it to produce a harvest in your life. You see, that is the key. It is the supernatural power of God, the supernatural power of the Lord of the harvest that is going to supernaturally take that $100 bill that you put in the offering plate in, in, in the weavings together of all of reality that only God can see. The Lord of the harvest takes that $100 and produces a money tree, a harvest of a money tree in your life that brings additional harvest. Look, I know that's, I know, <laughs> I hear it too, man. That sounds crazy, but it's just the truth. It's just the truth, my brothers and sisters. He's so good. He's so wonderful. I mean, it is the best system ever, but we need to get the word of God. I'm sorry, I'm digressing. We need to get the word of God, put it in our heart and and make sure that we have faith in God's word for our seed time and harvest financial practice. Now, the last section we're going to go through today before we kind of give you some thoughts just to wrap it all up is we are going to talk about some of Jesus's teachings on money because these are extremely important, right? And 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 look, we're not going to be con- con- we're not going to be accused of only giving to get We're not going to be accused of just wanting riches and material things in this world. I'll be, I'm just, look, you can tell we're being real. We're getting down to it today. I'm giving it to you straight with no chaser. I don't really care about materialism. You know what Jesus said? My meat is to do the will of the father who sent me and to finish his work. Maybe I messed that up a little bit, but you know, that's the right idea. That's the truth. The great treasure that this world has to offer. The great treasure that life has to offer is your relationship with God and your life with him as your creator, showing his love to the world. That's the true treasure in life. But the fact is, the simple fact is, is that God wants you to increase financially because A, he loves you and wants the good things in your life. As Isaiah said, he wants you to ride on the high places of the earth, but he wants to use you. To show, to show his love to the world, to show his provision to the world. Why? Because the devil's out there stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what he's out there. That's why the poverty gospel is so prevalent. That's why there's so much poor and sickness and disease, or excuse me, poverty, sickness, and disease in the earth is because of what the devil's done. And God wants to take back what the enemy stole. God wants to go out there and see blessing and provision to all of the people in the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's why we need to get him plugged in. If you are not plugged in to the kingdom of God's economy, then you are out of the will of God. And I'm not trying to curse you. I'm not trying to come down on you. God wants to bring you in and make you a part of the kingdom of God's production process and it's going to bless you and it's going to bless others in the world around you. That's the truth, my brothers and sisters. So let's look at a couple of things Jesus said, because we really need to keep these in mind. This is Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where no, neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Next one, Luke 16, 10 through 13. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I want to acknowledge that these are hard verses. I don't think they're necessarily hard to understand, but I do think they're hard to really understand how to put them into practice in our daily economic life. So when we have verses like this, we really need to just slow down, break them apart, and and really understand what God is telling us. Because because this is part of the secret. This is part of the key to understanding how the entire kingdom of God's economic system works. First, our goal cannot be the accumulation of wealth and material things. There is nothing wrong with the accumulation of wealth, but that cannot be your goal. Accumulation of wealth, if that is your goal, you are serving mammon. And I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to get down on you. We're just being real. If you, the accumulation of wealth must be a byproduct of serving God and specifically serving God with your finances. Serving God and advancing his kingdom must be your primary life's objective. It must be the literally the source and guiding light of your life, serving him and advancing his kingdom. Look, money is a part of reality and it must be used appropriately, but God is looking at who you are serving. And if wealth accumulation is your goal, he knows who you're really serving. Look, I'm not saying he's going to punish you. I'm not saying he's going to judge you. But that serving mammon brings you out of the kingdom of God's system. And we know who you're serving by looking at what you're sowing. Are you sowing correctly? Are you sowing as the Lord leads you to sow? Are you giving? If not, then then you need to think about, and look, let me just say, I, there's grace. There's grace. Maybe you've never heard some of this stuff. Maybe you've been in a real hard time of lack and you don't have extra to sow. Hey, hey, no, nobody's getting down on you here. Go to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to help you get started. I know, you know, most of the people I know who are going through any times of lack, that's that's where you're at. You want to sow. You have a heart for God. Go to him. He's going to help you start sowing. And and your service to God, your your love for him, your love for his kingdom, that's going to produce the seed time and the harvest time in your life. And that's going to produce the wealth creation in your life as a byproduct of serving God. That's that's the truth. And let me say, before we move on, you know, I'm not telling you to go empty your bank account. I'm not telling you to do anything other than go to God, you know, maybe repent where you've missed it. But most importantly, ask God how to get started in this process, how he wants you to get into the seed time and harvest kingdom of God's economic system. That's the key. And listen, 
Where is he telling you to sow? Where is he telling you to give? If you are faithful to sow, the Lord of the harvest will start bringing you harvest. He will tell you to sow more. And as you give faithfully and stay tuned into him, he will help you reap more and more. That's serving God. That's accumulating wealth as a byproduct of serving God. And that's how it's supposed to work. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles or the heathens seek. Your heavenly Father knows you need things, these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You must focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Submit your economic life to him, and he will help you begin sowing and reaping correctly. Now, I've got just a couple of more thoughts that are, you know, this is very practical, very granular, and I think really important. When you see someone working in the world's system and winning, and let's be honest, we probably all know a lot of people like that. It does not mean that they are doing it right. It does not mean that God has blessed them. It does not mean that they are sowing and reaping correctly. They might just be succeeding in the world's economic system. There are a lot of atheists that are financially successful. There are a lot of people in a lot of other religions, idolaters, heathens, very sinful people that are simply succeeding in the world's economic system, which is all about serving mammon and the accumulation of wealth. Our focus must be the kingdom of God's economic system. These are two separate systems, and that's the key. Christians, we cannot mix systems. We need to be focused on the kingdom of God and sowing and reaping. I'm no longer going to think accumulation of wealth. I'm going to think about seed time and harvest. I cannot mix my systems. And I know as we start, it's really hard to really understand and separate these ideas in our mind because we're looking at our bank accounts and we want our bank accounts to grow. So what we really have to do is identify our bank accounts with God. And you know what? That's not my treasure anymore, God. I'm not serving mammon anymore, God. I'm laying up treasures in heaven. So you see that bank account, however much is in there, maybe it's a thousand bucks. First of all, God, every single penny of that is harvest. Every single penny of that is something you've given me. And I'm gonna honor you with that money. Also, God, I understand that some of that money is seed, and I am willing to sow as you direct me to sow. 
You know, there are many, many Christians out there, even wonderful people, but they're still mixing the systems. We can't mix the systems and we need to fully embrace the kingdom of God's economic system because to go where God wants you to go, which is truly a place of abundance, truly a place where you are a blessing to the world on behalf of the kingdom of God and through his leadership and in his name, showing his love and abounding to every good work, only one system is going to take you where you're supposed to go. And that's the kingdom of God's economic system of seed time and harvest. Remember, Jesus said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry about providing for ourselves. I know it can be tough not to worry day in and day out, but that's not our job. Our job is to sow and reap and stay close to the Lord of the harvest. Remember that in uh, in that passage in First Corinthians, you know, or excuse me, Second Corinthians it says God loves a cheerful giver. The more we focus on God, the more we focus on seed time and harvest and the kingdom of God. And when God tells us to sow, how He's telling us to be a blessing to others. Understanding all of this really helps us embrace the kingdom of God's system and it helps us become a cheerful giver. If I'm just focusing on, you know, the drop in my bank account when I sow a seed, well, that's not cheerful giving and that's going to put me into the wrong frame of mind. That's going to mess me up when I start looking for a harvest. I need to be focused on what God's telling me to do and expanding his kingdom in the earth. Every time I give, that's a seed, and I believe the Lord of the harvest is going to bring me my harvest. Um, And I look, and let me just say it in closing, I know that a lot of this may sound extreme, but we are in extreme times. And my brothers and sisters, it's very possible it's only going to get worse. I mean, literally, who's going to be surprised at this point if we enter another world war or something like that? It has never been more timely to understand God's economic system and to begin functioning this way. And I tell you what, the Lord has called me to tune in to him like never before, and that's what I'm going to do. It might be extreme, but God wants wants us extremely blessed, and God wants us to be an extreme blessing to others. And now that you understand that God really does want to bring you wealth for you and for others, it's much easier to start living God's way. God has given you the power to produce easy wealth, easy easy riches in your life through sowing and reaping. So listen to what God's word says and begin to operate in God's kingdom economic system. God bless you. I love you. I hope you enjoyed this. Always feel free to share this with others. Reach out to me if you have any questions and uh, we'll talk again soon.